This is Israeli Technology Founders Speak, a podcast of conversations with successful Israeli high-tech and biotech entrepreneurs, with your host, Avraham Hermon. Asher Polani is a veteran entrepreneur in the Israeli startup scene, having been involved in founding and growing multiple startups going back to the 1980s. Asher was the CEO of FTS in Finjan and has filled various executive roles in HP Israel, Mint Technologies, and in other international companies. Avraham sat down with Asher to discuss some of his latest startup successes, how to pivot a business that's not working, raising money for startups, bootstrapping, exits, and tips for startup founders. This podcast is a creation of J.M.B. Davis Ben David, an intellectual property law firm serving clients around the world. You have great innovations. We keep them safe. It's not enough to just have a great startup idea or innovation. If you don't legally protect your innovations, products, and brand, anyone can claim them as their own. We keep your great innovation secure. Learn more by going to jmbdavis.com. That's J-M-B-D-A-V-I-S dot com. Asher, tell me a little bit about Saitir and what problem does Saitir come to solve? All of us actually surrounded by uh, what is called social networks. Social networks today, following the, the epidemic that uh, we went through and now that the world is moving into hybrid kind of work, it becomes a tool actually to on the go to market. So you you can't ignore it anymore. It's there to stay. And you do business over social networks. You communicate over social networks. You Zoom over social networks. And actually, business is running over social networks. However, if you compare the vulnerability and the tools that you have on social networks to develop your business on one side and to protect it on the other side, it's nothing to compare when it comes to the digital arena. From security perspective, now when you work on your laptop, you have firewalls and you have antivirus and you have, you know, all those kind of tools and procedures that actually trying to eliminate, you know, bad guys actually to hack your computer and so on. When it comes to social networks, it's a person to person kind of, uh, <laughs> of communication. It's very difficult to put something in between that actually helps you protect yourself on one side and helps you actually to communicate properly with the other side. Because most of the people are quite afraid from social networks. They're quite afraid to actually type something, you know, they might be embarrassed because of that. I would say the vast majority are, you know, at certain point put likes, but that's it. <laughs> They're not active in any way. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do it. They don't have the creativity actually to write something and so on. So actually the problem is divided into several parts. Uh, you have the issues of fake news. You don't want actually to further post them because uh, it will put you in a very odd position. Mm-hmm. But how will you know? That's And uh, then you want to answer something, but you don't want actually to hit uh, the compliance issues or maybe affect uh, in a negative way the compliance and regulations. You're not necessarily you know that. So when you communicate between people, the issues of communication and control and so on without having a big brother that will penetrate your privacy, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And this is actually what we had in mind when it comes to Saitir. And this is what we're trying to solve. So yes, it's quite broad problem. And of course, you need to divide it. 
into more smaller pieces of the puzzle such that you will be able to prioritize them, to do proper, proper product fit analysis, to see that you are solving a, a problem that people are willing to pay for, people are willing to use. And this is what we are trying to solve in Sentier. Actually, it's on one hand to enable you to be more fluent on the social networks in order to actually utilize it better to your businesses. On the other hand, actually to protect you from the bad guys that you have over there. Okay, it sounds interesting. It looks like the, the future of communication really is going into social mm-hmm. networking, social media. Just about every decent-sized company nowadays has a person that's in charge of their social media. So obviously, companies have realized the importance of having their face out there because so many people are spending so much time mm-hmm. on various social medias. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your product and what stage it's at and who you're gearing towards who's going to buy your product, who's going to be the customer? So as I say, uh, the way I'm looking at technology from my perspective on a solution, always uh, you should have fallbacks. So try to find, and that's my vocabulary, you know, that's my way of thinking. You know, let's have a real technology that makes a mark on the market, a new category or whatever that deals with new type of problems, uh, trying to be a pioneer and so on. There are pros and cons for that, but that's what I'm trying actually to to look at. And then actually what you're trying uh, to do is to first thing uh, verify that there is a problem out there and the problem values certain amount of money per month or per year or whatever. And um, when it comes to the share of wallet, people will be willing. Yes, it's a problem that values money, but that people will prioritize in terms of the expenditure level. We really see it on the top of their list and not trying to convince them that, hey guys, you need to buy it, but you know they have other other topics on their list that, that they need to solve first. So first things to do feasibility study. Second, to verify that and validate it. And third, actually, and that's my opinion, try to build a platform, a mock-up or whatever that will take it from an idea to something that is visible, that is touchable, something that you can actually imitate a flow like it's solved and discuss it with design partners actually put it in front of them, say, that will be the solution. That's how it will work. What's your opinion? Can you contribute to that? And so on. Because, you know, papers suffer everything and presentations are quite nice <laughs> and yeah. so on. The question, of course, is actually what's the gap between the ideas and vision and, you know, very nice graphs on the, on the, on the presentation and the reality. Uh-huh. So you could show your potential customers that you have that ability to actually uh bring this idea into fruition. Yeah. So I'm a great believer in actually fully devoted efforts and see it as a mission. And yes, when you, when you start to do that, do it, you know, maybe in a garage or whatever, but you need to be there. You need to put your time onto that. Build something. Show that you are really interested in that and not do it, you know, between eight and nine in the evening. It's a side job and mm-hmm. so on. I don't believe in those kind of things. You might get to invention that way. But in order to innovate it and in order to actually be able to see that that invention or innovation or application that actually are going out from this invention are something that people will like to use and so on, you need actually to build something that will demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did uh, in Sightier. Uh So actually, we devoted uh, several good months, almost a year, even a year plus, to build a platform. And we are a bootstrap, com- bootstrap company. We haven't raised money. 
actually, we devoted our time for that uh, with small expenses that we have decided to cover. And we've built a platform. And the advantage is that we could take this platform, actually, to uh, put and put it in front of potential customers and have their opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And in a way, by having their opinion at that early stage, it saves us lots of problems and issues going forward and facing issues like Death Valley, mm-hmm. you know, between C to A round or between A to B on the go-to-market. For example, yes, okay, guys, we have an FDA, but, you know, we don't have a CPT code. Okay, mm-hmm. hey, guys, we have a CPT code. Now we need to convince, <laughs> that's on the medical side, we need to convince, you know, the hospital to buy that. But, you know, they don't have it in their budget. And maybe in three years' time, they will look into that and so on. We don't want to find ourselves in such a situation. And in order actually to understand the go-to-market, understand who should be your partner, how should you design the product? Is it a B2B or B2C? How to package that and so on? You need to put it in a way, in a very shallow water, but still you need actually to water a little bit your toes in order to understand where the market goes. And this is where we are in Saitir. So actually we have a platform. We are presenting it to customers, uh, potential customers, Few of them decided also already to adopt it and they are paying us, which is quite nice. Okay. But that's not scaling now. And actually, we learn from their inputs and their comments, you know, lots of things on the operation, on the UI, on the value proposition and so on. And hey, guys, why shouldn't you do that and that and that and so on? In a way, you have a kind of an open channel to their product team, to their marketing team and so on. And in a way, by after several months of working that way, we understood the potential or the usage potential of the platform. We have decided actually to look at the social security side, the security and the protection of people on the social networks and so on. In addition to a tool that actually will accelerate the social selling side of that. So in a way, it's kind of opposite things uh, that actually can be accomplished with the same platform. But at the end of the day, you need to choose because the company at that size can't do A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. So okay. we need to be very careful on that. So you're going to be focusing on the, the product, which has the highest likelihood of, of uh, exactly. interesting cust- customers and yeah. going to the market. Exactly. And my Bible, when it comes to technology, always find uh, fallback situations. Because as we all know, statistically, 99% of the companies do not make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do not make it because of many reasons. But one of the reasons is, yes, I've developed the technology, I've developed the platform and so on. After three years in the business and so on, the market took, you know, a different direction. Mm-hmm. Competition actually came and actually have taken the market and so on. I don't want to throw away the last three years of development. So always have in mind some sort of a fallback to actually protect your assets and your main asset is time as an entrepreneur not like in a vc you are not playing in some sort of a statistical game you don't buy 10 that and you expect that out of that two three will succeed you have the only child over here and that's your new uh, initiative and you need actually to see that if your child can't do math very well so let's check if he can do physics if he can't do physics, maybe he should do or she should do something else. Mm-hmm. So always you should have in mind some ideas if something goes wrong, and most probably that something will go wrong, that statistically. You need to be very careful and very uh, with high integrity to actually tell yourself <laughs> that, hey, something is wrong over here. I should revisit my decision 
I should revisit my direction. I don't want to do it when all the money that I've raised actually are wiped off. I want to do it in a point where I still can think and do a change and so on. So the ability to look again and again, revisit your decision and development on a monthly basis or a two-monthly basis, this is something that is very much recommended. And that's what we do in Saitir. Okay, so you, you said a lot now, a lot of important points. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned is uh, pioneering technology. And uh, you also mentioned about 99% of startups failing. Uh, I think that, you know, looking at your track record, your track record is a lot better than that. You weren't involved in the 100 startups and only one of them succeeded. You've been involved in a few startups and a lot of them have succeeded. So uh, maybe you could talk about uh, those two points. A, what's pioneering technology? What are you looking for? And uh, what interests you? And uh, also your successes. You know, how, how did those, how did those come to be? And, and, uh, a little bit about those, those stories. So, uh, well, most of my successes are not, you know, when I say, sorry, when I said 99% of failing is from the, you know, from the seed point to the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. So luckily, many of the companies that are in, on my resume, I have joined them after invention. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I was part of their innovation and implementation. Uh, in some cases, cross-board uh, turnarounds and so on. In some cases, just, you know, a little shift and, and so on. So uh, the odds for success in my resume comes from that point. You already picked uh, winning horses. Well, when I joined them, not necessarily they were actually on the winning track, right. but they were brave enough, the entrepreneurs and or the investors, to say, hey, we have a problem. We feel that there is something in these companies that uh, needs to be re- revisited and relooked from a fresh point from out of the box. And actually, they enabled me actually to take uh, these entities to a different path. And luckily, in most of them, I was successful. And, and the issue over here is actually, as um, I always like to give that example, it's like you know dealing with your children. That's the reality, and I think that I'm not uh, putting, uh, I'm not saying something that uh, people are not familiar with. If you have several kids, usually you put attention to the one that has some more difficulties in the go forward, maybe, you know, social wise, maybe, um, you know, education wise, and mm-hmm. so on. When it comes to the business, it's much more tougher. You know, actually, you cut the losses at a certain point. And the uh, phrase saying, cut the losses, you don't have that thing when you have your family. You don't cut a loss. Right. In business, you cut a loss. That's a business expression. And I'm a little bit against that. And I think that before you cut a loss, you should be very careful in actually declaring that because people invested several years of their time. Uh, lots of money were invested. Not necessarily everything is waste. There are some some seats over there, some ideas, some implementation with some attention and maybe some support and looking a little bit from out of the box, it can be actually redirected to another path and can complement or can replace the original idea. So one of the companies that you were involved with as a founder, I believe, uh, that's an example where things went a little bit towards a different direction than originally planned. I would like to give an example of a company that I've joined uh, about 25 years ago. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, company was, uh, the name was Manof, a company uh, that was actually uh, founded in the early 80s. 
mm-hmm. and um, dealt with financial transactions, SWIFT gateways, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was quite, you know, quite demanding uh, stuff uh, at the 80s. OSHAP, uh, which uh, Shlomo Dovrat actually was the founder of OSHAP, uh, decided actually to take over uh, Manoff, and I've joined them in 94. And that was the business, Swift Gateways and so on, several dozens of installations globally. And that was the company. And the question was, okay, what shall we do with a company, which at that time was about 15 years old, with certain technology uh, that was a little bit outdated, and mm-hmm. what shall we do next? And I think that it was quite wise at that time. Uh, at that time, the, ter- the term turn or turnaround was, was not there. And we say, let's do a restart to the company, but taking advantage of the assets that we have in Manoff. So we, re- we rebranded the company to Mint Technologies. Mm-hmm. And actually, we shifted the technology in terms of solutions from Swift gateways to what was called at the time message brokers. So we have taken a technology that was a little bit outdated and a solution that was became a kind of a commodity, although it was quite expensive, but kind of a commodity, like every bank had a solution at the time and so on, and we couldn't sell more of those type of systems. And we took the concept and uh, actually piggybacked a new motivation in the market, a new trend called message broker, actually, how to actually uh, do um, kind of a seamless integration of desperate systems and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, it took two years. Uh, Asher Kutner came on board, actually, and so on. And other people, very nice people came on board. And actually, together, I was the VP marketing at that time. Uh, together, actually, we've actually paved the road, taking all the assets that we had, added to that uh, certain layers. And we created a message broker company that uh, at the end of the 90s, actually, that was uh, one of the reasons for Ashab to be sold over to Sangar Business Integration, into Sangar. And Mint was actually the base of Sangar's business integration that actually um, was very active at that period of time. So what we have gained out of that, the investors actually returned in a multiplication their investment. Mm-hmm. The people in uh, Mint actually have seen a success so, uh, yes, the company was declining in terms of sales and so on, all technology and so on, but we have shifted it and uh, actually succeeded actually to gain attraction in the market. At that certain point, the company was uh, also uh, sold over to, as I said, and uh, to Sangard and became Sangard Business Integration. What's important, the lesson here is that if investors really believe in, in, the, in the entrepreneurs and the management team, and there are alternatives in the market. Go ahead, revisit it, do feasibility study, present it to the board, and actually you will gain momentum because at the end of the day, everybody wants to make money of what they have. That's what I have in mind. That's a good answer. Um, and I think that it sort of demonstrates the ability to, to pivot. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs are talking about the, the possibility to pivot. And this is something that I think that you're recommending keeping in mind very, from the very beginning. What are the possible uses and applications of the technology and how could they be used to to the the best advantage of uh, of the company um i wanted to discuss a little bit raising money you mentioned now that you're now bootstrapping in Citeer, but you have a lot of experience with a lot of different companies and raising money either through venture capital and other means maybe you could talk a little bit about that why do you choose to be bootstrapping now in uh Citeer? Bootstrapping a thing, it's an advantage to the entrepreneurs. 
yes, it reduces risk for the, the investors, but I think it's more important to the entrepreneurs that after half a year or a year, you know, you increase your visibility on the next five or six years that you're going to spend in that venture. So, you know, there are many companies that have raised money. You mm-hmm. spend several years over there, but they end up with uh, <laughs> not the best results and you have lost five years of your life. At my age, <laughs> time becomes uh, quite uh, significant and important. Mm-hmm. So you want actually to be sure that when you actually bet on something, you have done whatever you can in order actually to ensure that you have done everything you can in order to really convince yourself and the surrounding that the allocation for another five years, assuming you'll raise money, deserves that. Many people are going and raising money and, um, well, that's nice and so on. I'm not against, but if you have raised money, my recommendation will be take portion of that. Don't accelerate in full gas <laughs> to the market. Do proper feasibility study. Do proper validation. Do Build a short MVP, a minimal viable solution, such that you'll be able to present it to potential customers and so on, get their feedback early enough such that you can take that into consideration for product development, product fit analysis, and so on. Don't build something that in four years, that will be the first time that you will actually present it to potential customers. And then you might find yourself in a situation where, well, we have developed something which is a white elephant. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my recommendation. If you have the ability, do a bootstrap because when you do a bootstrap, you don't owe anything to anyone. And in a way, you have pure decision whether you would like to invest into that direction or not. And I think that when you come to a VC, after you have done bootstrap or a mini bootstrap and so on, they look at you a little bit more serious because they've seen what you have done. They understand what you have done. They understand the, the, your devotion. They understand their, your performance, and it's much easier for them actually to take a decision for good and bad. Mm-hmm. When I first came in, we discussed exits and we discussed the uh, typical Israeli startup life cycle. Can you address that a little bit? Where do you want to be, and how do you view the Israeli startup life cycle, and how, we, how do you think that that can change or will change? It depends on, I think, that it's a culture issue, and uh, it's not something that is related to the private person that actually invested several years of his life together with investors, came to a point where he says, well, I want to do for my home, and he sells the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see currently, you know. Uh, I don't see too many companies that are actually built for last, for long. One of the issues that actually dictates that is the life cycle of technology. Uh, because we are dealing with technology that their lifespan is quite short, mainly in cyber. Mm-hmm. So yes, I can understand why at a certain point a company is being sold to a dollar one in order to accelerate the scale up and, and so on. I understand that. But there are other businesses, not necessarily cyber, that, that their life cycle can be much longer. You know, the pharma business, medical mm-hmm. devices, agri-tech, and so on. Those technologies takes time to develop them, but the product that you have developed in terms of technology can hold for good several years. And that's an opportunity to actually build up real businesses that actually will have production lines and so on. Like you have, you know, all the companies, not like, oh, you know, that's actually most of the people in a country actually are working in these industries, automotive and, and so on and so forth. We don't have automotive in Israel, but I mean, globally in the world. Mm-hmm. And because there is some sort of a movement 
to actually to deal with short-term technology, short life cycle technologies like cyber and so on, and certain algorithms that it's very difficult even to write patents on and so on. You know, the life cycle of this development uh, is quite short. And that's a kind of a motivation to sell companies. I'm against that. I think that uh, you should not build a company just to exit. Uh, I think that you should build a company to become a real company and make really a scratch on the world. Mm-hmm. On the way, if you get a proposal, I'm not against partnership or selling and so on, but the intention just to exit, I'm not sure that it's well. I think that this is something that is very much related to the government approach to the market and to the high-tech industry. And I think that government should motivate organization to employ people, to actually subsidize certain aspects of the business in order to start taking companies, not just dealing with technologies, but also with production, sales, mm-hmm. manufacturing, and so on. Because most of the people at the end of the day are not AI enthusiastic people. Not certainly, not necessarily they have that capacity. Most of the people, if you look at the cows, are going to work and employers, you know, traditional uh, businesses like, uh, you know, if you look at Siemens or groups like that, that or Alpha Laval and so on. If you look at, comp- at, at countries that our size in a way, uh, take Switzerland, take uh, Sweden, take those uh, countries which are quite, uh, you know, quite similar to us in terms of number of uh, citizens and number of inhabitants and so on. They have developed real, the, what we call all the community, all the economy, uh, companies and entities, which they are actually surrounding now, now, uh, them with technologies and so on, motivate them to be better in terms of competition globally and so mm-hmm. on. Sweden has a very nice high tech, uh, industry and so on. But if you look at the backbone of Sweden in terms of employers and employees, Actually, the vast majority of people actually are still in this traditional business. Traditional industry. Yeah. yeah. What you're saying is, is very interesting. But when we look at the Innovation Authority, the Israel Innovation Authority, they are actually working towards making companies stay in Israel. In other words, they're giving grants and then requiring payment of the grants or multiple times the payment of the grants if the company sells or transfers the technology out of Israel. So they are doing something to encourage the startups to stay here in Israel, right? I agree, but as you say, it's, they do something. You think they need to do more? They need to do much more because currently you get uh, support uh, on the very basic developments. Mm-hmm. It's limited to certain amounts. Right. When you come to exit time with the numbers that we have today, so <laughs> it's no-brainer actually to return monies to the, to the chief scientists and so on. It's a drop in the bucket, you're yeah, saying. It's yeah. a little bit. So I don't think that this is a real real support. Real support will be actually to build campuses, to look at the Singaporean uh, approach to farm development, medical de- medical technology development. And so look what they're doing, actually. They're pouring money on companies to come in to establish production line and so on. And if you look, you know, just uh, on the dance that every few years you have on Intel is uh, actually building a, you know, a factory in Kiryat Gak and so on. And they, they request the government actually to subsidize it with some, certain amount, not necessarily out of pocket money. It's more tax shelters and so on. Mm-hmm. And always there is a dance of nice people around that and they're saying, Hey, the country shouldn't do that and so on. 
So look at Ireland, what goes on today. You know, Ireland said, the Irish people say, hey, continue to do R&D in Israel. We will do the implementations. We will be actually, the, we'll do the production because on every uh, research guy in Haifa or in Jerusalem or elsewhere in Israel, uh, you have 10 or 15 people are working on production lines in Ireland. Mm-hmm. This is the reality. That's I think that of, we miss, because of government intervention, yes, you're saying. Yes, and uh, because of government, because of politics, because of many things over here. And we're losing opportunities. Because at the end of the day, these people that are working in these type of factories and so on, the skill set of these people are actually is being raised. And I think that that affects the second generation, the third generation, and so on. And over here, we don't have that. So you have, uh, you know, a group of about, let's say, two, three hundred thousand people in Israel that are dealing with high tech and they enjoy that and so on. What about the rest? Thank you very much for uh, sharing from some of your experience. It's been really enjoyable for me to meet up with you again and to discuss with you some of what you've done. We've only really scratched the surface. I think there are a lot of different experience that we could have spoken about, we can still speak about. And uh, I appreciate your input and hopefully that new founders will be able to learn from your experience and, and uh, take these ideas and put them into fruition. Thank you very much, Asher, and uh, wishing you a lot of success in Citeer and any other future endeavors that you choose to take part in. That was Asher Polani. We hope you enjoyed this episode. There are many more to come. Do you have a great innovation or startup idea? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by going to our website, jmbdavis.com. And if you go to jmbdavis.com forward slash startup, you'll see we have a special site specifically made for startups to help startups protect their innovations. Please be in touch with us and find out how we can help you Thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode.